Hello everyone, I'm Paris Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis. Hello and welcome to another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast about leadership. It's Richard Lummis, I'm here with Tom Fox for another discussion on how to improve our leadership skills by learning from others, drawing lessons from many sources, including history, fiction, film, and business writing. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Richard. Today we're going to discuss Chapter 1 in the book Planning for Big Data. Chapters written by Alistair Kroll, I guess could be best described as a serial entrepreneur, and it's called The Feedback Economy. It starts with a concept developed by U.S. Air Force Colonel John Boyd for aerial combat called the OODA, or OODA loop, which stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, Act. Boyd flew F-86 Sabres during a short tour uh, during the Korean War, after which he was sent to U.S. Air Force Fighter Weapons School, and after graduation he became an instructor there and wrote the Tactics Manual. One of his nicknames was Genghis John for his characteristic confrontational style. Uh, He became an influential military strategist, and it's been said such ideas as agility, shaping the mind of the enemy, harmony among all levels, and perhaps most important of all, promoting and not just exploiting or responding to uncertainty and disorder were all either invented, rediscovered, or inspired by Boyd. Um, Although Boyd never wrote a book on military strategy, he's been credited with developing the strategy that defeated Iraq during the 1991 Gulf War. Commandant of the Marine Corps Charles Krulak said, the Iraqi army collapsed morally and intellectually under the onslaught of American and coalition forces. John Boyd was an architect of that victory as surely as if he'd commanded a fighter wing or a maneuver division in the desert. As an aside, Boyd would often tell audiences, don't be a member of Clausewitz's school because a lot's happened since 1832, and don't be a member of Sun Tzu's school because an awful lot's happened since 400 BC. Okay, aside from all that, let's talk about the Uda loop and its relevance to today's economy and the way it changes and functions. Tom, where would you like to start today? Well, um, a couple of things. Just let's maybe start again with just the UDA part, the uh, observe, orient, <clears throat> uh, decide on a course of action, and then act. It uh, really, I think, concretely puts together a series of steps that you can really use as touchstones uh, when you're in a decision-making process or perhaps to create a decision-making process for you. Uh and the, the thing in the written material that, or when I read the written material the first time that really struck me was it's a feedback loop. It's continuous. You're always taking in more information because as you act in step four, your environment has changed. And so you're observing new circumstances, then uh, deciding, excuse me, orienting um, yourself to the uh, enemy's response to your uh, new circumstances and then deciding on a new course of action and acting on it. So it really helps you uh, to think through for those uh, business leaders who are not or or want to visualize a path to moving forward. And then in introduction, you you had a couple of um, other uh, tips or concepts uh, uh, not attributed to Boyd, but certainly things that he advocated. Uh, The first that I think are particularly particularly useful for the business leader, one is agility, the ability to move into new markets, to respond to uh, uh, 
new opportunities is certainly something that business leaders not only need to have for themselves, but also for um, their companies. And then the second one, though, is promoting uncertainty. I really had not thought about the Iraqi army in that context. I really uh, had thought our uh, strategy was a little more fixed. Uh, but um, if that was part of the strategy that we utilized in the first Gulf War, uh, which was uh, taking the information, observing the circumstances of the Iraqi army, oriented itself to the enemy's way of thinking, and then uh, deciding on a course of action and acting upon it, there was certainly a way to uh, promote uncertainty. And when you, um, you can promote uncertainty in a couple of ways. It may be that you promote uncertainty with your uh, competitor or your enemy, but I would suggest that for the business leader, promoting uncertainty is a way to incorporate risk into your overall strategic goals. And when you can incorporate risk into your overall strategic goals, your profits generally are going to go up because anything that uh, would be more profitable is generally because you have been able to take a greater risk and hence your profit margins are better, bigger. So whether that risk is a financial risk, whether it's a currency risk, whether it's a political risk, whether it's um, building a nuclear power plant uh, right on the edge of the Pacific Ocean and a weather and or geographic risk, uh, whatever that risk might be, if the risk is greater, you have the opportunity for greater uh, profits. But to uh, promote uncertainty, to put a higher amount of risk into your business, you have to have a process and procedure to manage that risk. And if you have managed it properly, then uh, hopefully at the end of the day, you'll have greater profits. So um, I really, uh, uh, I got a lot from the article. I got a lot from, uh, it, and then listening to your introduction really uh, drove home some of these concepts that Boyd really helped uh, crystallize thinking around can also be helpful for uh, the business leader as well. Yeah, the um, one thing about the loop that Crawl really doesn't emphasize that another article uh, I read did is that it's really not a simple loop and the drawing in Kroll's article shows how complicated it really is, how many different areas you're actually drawing information from, the different ways you can orient yourself to use it, and, uh, and then make your decision. And the creating uncertainty in the part of the enemy, and I do want to emphasize here that the business goal is not always the destruction of your competition. Um, it's frequently something totally different. But... The, the concept of making decisions more quickly and, in fact, adapting to the changing circumstances more quickly is really, I think, one of the keys to Boyd's work. And I think uh, Kroll really, uh, Kroll is the author who, who wrote about uh, uh, Boyd in the feedback loop, but he says uh, one of the biggest impediments to utilizing the uh, UDA feedback loop is exactly what you just said. It's the, the amount of information. Although he really takes it in terms of surplus noise in the data that you need to capture and analyze it and really separate the digital wheat from the digital chaff to uh, identify m the meaningful undercurrents while ignoring meaningless flotsam. Now, that is sometimes uh, easier said or even articulated than, it, than is done, but the sheer amount of data coming in, you have to have a way within your business to 
ingest it and clean it and then have a way to utilize it, um, put it in formats that you can uh, use to try to gain insights. Kroll advocates the use of um, platforms, but basically just taking data into chunks that can be analyzed in parallel. And I don't want to say it was simplistic, but it's it's a way to simplify thinking through the issue of, of too much data. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting, and it really tied in, in some interesting ways to Boyd's theory, uh, one of which is uh, that you have to be very careful that you're not picking your data to fit your preconceptions and that you're actually picking data that challenges your preconceptions so that you can uh, that you can orient and adapt to the to the changes if all you're using big data for is to confirm your preconceptions it's not going to be very helpful uh, one of the other things he talks about is the need for very quick results and he, he refers to it in the time it takes to load a web page but um, but I think, the, again, that, that same speed is one of the keys to the Boyd uh, theories. And then finally, he talks about the use of graphical tools to help humans explore these massive amounts of data. He doesn't go into much detail about it, but I think it's an interesting concept that we should probably address further. Certainly. But before we get there, let me uh, focus on the word human uh, you had in there, <laughs> the human aspect of this, because Kroll really, uh, I think, correctly notes that as important as machine learning is and for big data collection and analysis, there literally is no substitute for the human eyes and the human ears. And um, in researching for today's episode, I came across a recent book by Gary Kasparov, the uh, former uh, chess champion, and his uh, adventures in playing Big Blue, uh, the IBM uh, chess now grandmaster. And uh, he really came around to thinking after a period of depression from his loss that uh, it's really the best of both worlds, uh, digital learning, uh, machine learning, and human learning. And when you can put those two together, that's when you're going to have the, uh, the, uh, the really the best of both. So um, it's uh, the same way of having... Um, uh, dozens of data, independent data sources, but in a way with a human um, oversight and analysis. But that leads to the, um, the visualization of the data. And I, I will have to confess that as a uh, professionally trained lawyer, uh, visualization of data is not something that uh, comes naturally to me. I'm sort of a written word guy. But there are lots of people that use, that do, can visualize data and they can create uh, graphics based upon the visualized data. I have a good friend whose company is named Visual Risk IQ because they take data and put it into visual formats to help depict risk for companies. Uh, and that's exactly what they do. And so the visualization of this information is an important uh, element, but I would also say from my professional training and my uh, professional experience that um, some people uh, just think uh, in uh, the written word format and certainly there are a large number of people who think simply quantitatively who can look at numbers and make the analysis. So it's uh, whatever that uh, whatever format of the data presentation works for you. Uh, and if you're a business leader, I would suggest that uh, or would urge that uh, you determine what works best for you and then see really what works best for uh, your company as well. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of other things that struck me. One was that uh, a key criticism of, of Boyd's theories is that uh, military and corporation uh, organizations also, in practice, 
don't follow this loop. They don't wait to observe often before they make a decision because they're being driven by outside factors. Um, and so what you have to do is, is make these constant processes that are reiterative and be constantly doing it and examining your, your premises. Uh, but there's no real simple loop. And the second one is that even in the military context, Boyd emphasizes the need for initiative and authority to reside at all levels. And that you'll have different UDA loops at different levels, depending on what you're, what you're dealing with. But that it's in order to obtain a quick response, it's often important that the person closest to the information be the one that's authorized to make that decision. And that really brings up an interesting, um, probably another podcast on the management theory and the theory of uh, hierarchical, uh, top-down driven versus uh, uh, more operationalized out to the people who not only are obtaining the information, but who can put that information best to use. And I think now, though, we're in an era that's tending to get away from the strictly hierarchical top-level decision makers and moving the decision-making authority to that level of person who not only obtains the information but can in, impact uh, moving forward. So putting that, uh, if another way to phrase it might be operationalizing the data so that uh, giving that information to the uh, business unit in the field, the business unit in the geographic area, uh, uh, particularly if that's outside the United States, if you're a multinational company, I think is something that uh, current theory would suggest that it's more important to do so. Um, but what I would um, caution is, uh, or maybe taking a, a, a cross-metaphor example, the reason you have brakes on a car is not to drive fast, excuse me, is not to slow down. The reason you have brakes on a car is so you can drive fast. And brakes are part of your risk management system. And if you have those brakes on a car and they're good brakes and quality and you can trust them, you can go faster. Uh, that decision is given to the driver, not the person who bought the car, not the person who had the keys to the car, not the designer of the car. And if you kind of use that as your analogy for your business operations going forward, uh, recognize that the driver of your business closest to the ground is the person who needs to move the fastest because they need to be able to respond to market factors, to customers, to um, competitors, to the 24-hour world of social media in a wide variety of ways. So uh, giving that person the ability to move not only is... A, um, a theory of leadership allowing or empowering someone at that level, but it's also giving them the risk management tools to move fast. And so that means you have to train them in both uh, how to go fast, but also when it's time to hit the brakes. Uh, so I, I think it's going to require a more sophisticated, more well-rounded operationalization approach uh, both in allowing people to go fast, but also teaching them how to manage the risk that they're closest to. I think that's absolutely right. And the other aspect, of course, is that you want to try and maintain one coherent vision for what, where you're trying to go and what you're trying to accomplish. And that is when you're dealing across all these levels, it's not as easy as it sounds, but it's. I think it's a key to, to making the system work well. So um, would you, you think that comes more from having a, uh, a cultural mechanism which generally says we're moving in this direction, or is it much more business-driven uh, with a, a more narrow fo focus than culture? 
I think the two are related. Um, but but I do think that you can have a, a narrow business vision that doesn't necessarily share a culture. The, the current fixation on diversity, I think, is in some ways healthy, in some ways harmful. But I think you can subordinate some of that into one goal if you articulate it properly. So um, I really, uh, there's a lot to unpack uh, not only in just the four components of the Oda loop or the Ooda loop, um, just I love that word, Ooda, <laughs> um, but really in, in Boyd and uh, kind of his eccentricity as a theoretician, but also in Kroll in his uh, chapter featuring Boyd in the in the feedback economy. So a lot here for the business leader, I think, Richard, to, uh, to consider. Uh, I, I guess I would caution that... Uh, this is one system that I don't think you should pick and choose parts of to incorporate. I think it's really, you either take the system or you use some other system. I would, I would be reluctant. I think that your caution against um, not orienting uh, or taking out one of the steps in which may cause business leaders to uh, fail or a system not to work properly is absolutely uh, correct. That uh, here you really need to take all four aspects of the OODA loop system and utilize them and continue to do so. And I think the more you do it, as with most things, the more practice you put into something, the better you will get at it. I think that's right. Well, on that note, uh, I would like to say goodbye from 12 o'clock high, and we hope you'll listen to us next time. This is Paris Fox again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 o'clock high, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Thank you for listening. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.